You're listening to the YouTube Marketing Accelerator Podcast, helping businesses and marketers all over the globe dominate the internet's second largest search engine. Here's your host, Matt Johnston. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you so much for being here. I'm very, very excited about the show today. We have who I consider to be one of the bigger influencers in YouTube advertising, uh, really around the world. Um, uh, Justin Sardi is here with us. He's going to talk to us a little bit about TubeSift and how to leverage data in your YouTube advertising. Um, obviously, you can't do any sort of advertising uh, on digital at all without being able to have tons of data. Luckily, YouTube was bought by Google a few years back, and now we have tons of data on people. So the question is, how do you get that data out of YouTube, which is kind of hard, and uh, although Justin makes it easy, and uh, how do you actually leverage that data? Justin, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, stoked to be here. So how'd you get into YouTube advertising? Um, so long story short, um, I think I, don't know, I went to an event that one of my buddies took me to. Uh, it was a Dr. Ben Atkins event back in the day. And essentially what had happened, uh, he, he was like, you got to check out this internet marketing thing. I was like, wow. And it, it used to be really easy to get videos ranked on YouTube. And um, essentially what had happened, I was getting some videos ranked, making some affiliate commissions. I was like, this is pretty cool. And it got harder and harder to rank, right? And eventually, I was looking around. I was like, "What are these?" They back then, back then they were called um, uh, in-display ads, right? But they were—they're basically video discovery ads now. And I was like, "Wait a second! These guys are just putting up an ad and getting their video—you know—not having to do any of the SEO work, hoping it's going to rank." I was like, "I got to look into this." So I looked into it. It was like, "Okay, cool. This uh, this looks promising." And I basically set up a couple of ads and then started playing around with some in-stream ads. And uh, like one of the first campaigns I set up, I was promoting uh, amazing selling machine as an affiliate and ended up putting like $716 in and pulling out 67, 64, $67,000 in commissions. I was like, Oh, um, this is pretty cool. And so it works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, yeah. So that, that's basically how I kind of got my start there. And that was back and in like, how did maybe it like 2013 or 14. Uh, okay, cool. And then how did it evolve from there? Did you start taking on clients or were you mostly doing affiliate stuff? So I was doing affiliate stuff, but then I, um, and I was creating some, you know, I had some like ranking products. So I, I'd done some product creation and things like that uh, in the past. And, you know, list building through those products, the whole launch thing where you're selling products for like $17 and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, created a basically like a case study and would push that out. And then from there, people were like, wow, you're getting these results. Want to run my ads for me? I was like, sure. So I used to take on a lot of clients, which was great. Um, it, it was a great way for me to learn, right? Uh, so I got to learn quite a bit through running other people's ads. And then eventually I was like, wait, I can make a lot more money if I'm just selling my products and services. So, and, you know, doing affiliate marketing, all that kind of stuff. So I, uh, mm. gradually shifted away from providing things as a service and, um, actually ended up making a, a YouTube ad software and started selling that. So that's kind of like what I focus on the most now. I run a lot of traffic for it, but yeah. 
Yeah, let's talk a little bit about TubeSift because I use it. I'm a very big fan of it. Um, why don't you just tell us basically what it does, why you created it? Yeah, for sure. So essentially what it does is it find, it does a couple things, but originally the, the very, like the one feature it was supposed to have was finding monetized videos for you to put your ad in front of. And for those that are familiar, you can basically target in-stream ads, um, video discovery ads as well. But you can, uh, you can target these YouTube ads based on placements, which means you can choose individual videos to put your ad in front of. Uh, which is extremely powerful. And I, I honestly, if, if you're just getting started, I always recommend that you start with placements because, uh, you know, for instance, if you're selling a, like a dog, a dog ear wash kit or something along those lines, somebody on YouTube might be searching for, how do I clean my dog's ears? Your ad could pop up, be like, oh, there's this awesome kit. It'll help you clean your dog's ears. It doesn't get much more targeted than that. But yeah you used to have to manually pull all these videos, right? And so I was going, I actually had a VA that I was paying by the hour to go through. I'd be like, here's all the keywords. And they would put together an mm. Excel spreadsheet and manually copy and paste every single one of these videos, right? And half the time, you can't even put an ad in front of them. So that was a huge problem. And uh, I ran into that with my clients a lot. I was like, dude, this sucks. And so um, I was like, why is there nothing that does this? And so I had to create it basically. Uh, I was like, I need this. So originally I created it for me. And um, then we, had, we ended up, you know, rolling out some additional features and we're constantly working on uh, updating it and, you know, just keywords, a few other things. Uh, once they rolled out, you know, companion banners, we added a banner studio, um, custom thumbnail creator, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, super cool. I mean, and, and, and just so that everyone knows out here, if you're not super familiar with YouTube advertising, I mean, you can't put, if you want to actually leverage placements, you can't really put your video in front. I mean, you can't put your ad in front of like five videos. I mean, you literally have to find hundreds, maybe even thousands sometimes, right? Which is a huge lift on the research side, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, um, you know, the cool thing about using placements is just like a little bit of an advanced tip that, that's something I've been doing uh, that's working extremely well if you want to quickly scale your campaigns uh, without having you know a ton of data in your account and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you can create similar to audiences very easily by running these placement campaigns, um, tracking conversions, or basically tracking the page that is your conversion page. Uh, and once you get a couple hundred conversions through there, Google will automatically create an audience of people similar to the people that have converted based on your placements, which is like no brainer targeting. Uh, and then you can instantly start running ads to that and see amazing results quickly. So, Yeah. Does, does Google uh, populate that audience faster than other similar audiences? Because I know the benchmarks are different based on um, which type of campaigns, right? Because some, don't you sometimes need a thousand, sometimes you need a couple hundred. How does that work? So it, it depends like emails. I know you do need like a thousand um, as far as conversions go. Or, or as far as retargeting goes, because technically it's just a retargeting list that I'm making, but I'm putting it on my thank you page. So only people, it's a retargeting list of people that have converted. Um, and, I do, you know, you can exclude those people from your campaigns as well. So you're not running ads to them. That's originally why I started doing that. And then I was like, wait a second, it's populating similar audiences. Um, you know, it, it just depends. I, I like maybe... Let me see here. Even in my audience manager, because I just set one up the other day. I'm, just, I'm curious because I'm not 100% sure, honestly. Um, let's see. 
I have about 1,400 in one of my newer audiences that was set up a couple weeks ago. Um, and the similar audience started, yeah, I mean, it's, it's already got a couple hundred thousand people in it. So not too bad. Cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, and, uh, so, so let's just go generally here. So, so also TubeSift also does keywords, um, which is scraping a lot of the YouTube autocomplete data. Um, and, uh, also looks, I believe at Google keywords as well. Yeah. Um, uh, that was just something that yeah. we had originally put in there. Because I was like, you know, if you can find these Google keywords, that's great. Uh, now you can actually create custom audiences. Um, I believe it's, what is it? Custom, not custom affinity, custom intent audiences for YouTube. So before you were able to put some of the Google keywords in there, it did an okay job. Um, now you can actually target people based on their Google search terms uh, by creating a custom intent audience and you can use all those auto suggest keywords to populate some giant lists pretty quickly. Yeah, that's great. I, I know a lot of people are using custom intent audiences. It really depends on sort of where you're at uh, mm-hmm. with your offer. Uh, so, so let's just talk a little bit generally. I mean, as somebody that's running, you know, tens of thousands of dollars every month, I'm sure through YouTube, I mean, what's working right now? Like what's the one big thing that you're seeing working right now? Uh, so obviously retargeting is huge. Um, I have, retargeting on every single one of my sites. And uh, even if you're not running any traffic right now, but you do have a web page, I recommend just going, opening a Google ads account and just starting to put, start, just start building your retargeting lists with that global site tag. Um, That is going to create those similar two audiences and those make it extremely easy to scale. Right. So that's where I always start. And then, you know, placements are always super easy Um, you just find a couple hundred very relevant videos, start pushing some traffic to those. Uh, and then, like I said, I create the similar two audiences based on those, start running traffic there. And then just, um, regular YouTube keywords have been working amazingly well. Um, like what I usually do is start with five or so tightly grouped keywords and, uh, just start running some traffic. You can start with more. I used to throw hundreds of them in there. Um, but usually now I just pick the you know, like my top five, I'll kind of flip through and be like, okay, cool. Make an ad group for that. Make an ad group for five more, five more. And then just after running for about a week, figure out which one keyword is converting the best. And then just set up like one campaign with one keyword I'm targeting. Uh, mm. it, it seems to let them scale a bit more. Uh, and that, that's honestly why I started doing that is because I was putting tons of keywords in and it wasn't spending my budget a lot of times. I don't know why. Um, so. Yeah, no, I've I've seen the same thing. It, it, I mean, especially when you're running like a CPV campaign, Google just sort of it's 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 odd how it spends your money. Sometimes you have to sort of really be on top of it. Right. Like I, I just got off a call with my uh, Google Ads rep twenty minutes before this, and uh, we were poking around. I was like, "Why is this not spending?" And um, you know, it's my retargeting, and I just kind of threw all my retargeting lists in one. She's like, "Oh, it's because they're all in one, and it's and targeting." I was like, "Okay." So, and I was like, "Yeah," I knew that. <laughs> but, but I, like, I've never seen it. Just kind of, I think they may have just changed something where if you have multiple retargeting lists or multiple audiences in one of your ads, it's only going to show it to people who are this, 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 and this. I was like, "Okay," <laughs> so. So yeah, I've been breaking Was it inside of, my, of one uh, campaign? Yeah, that she was like, because uh, I have them all under one ad group. She's like, no, each of those audiences should, should be their own ad group, which is something new uh, to me. I, I knew that was a thing with, you know, like 
if you're overlapping keywords and topics or whatever, like multiple targeting options. But I thought it was, um, you know, like if I'm just throwing all my retargeting audiences in there, it should just run it to any of them. But she was like, no, it's and. I was like, okay. So, right, 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 right. Really throttling, you know, like that particular campaign is supposed to be spending like a thousand a day. It was spending like 200. I was like, I don't, and it says limited by budget. It's like, what's going on? (laughs) And so, yeah, that's the most annoying thing. I've seen that too. Yeah, that's that's the most annoying thing. Yeah, because usually you can trust that limited by budget thing somewhat. Uh, But yeah, it's very. It's very, it's very, very, very odd. Um, and, and, and so for the, for the keywords, when you're actually looking for the relevant keywords, um, TubeSIF ranks them for you somewhat when you're, when you're looking for it, when you're trying to find those keywords specifically for YouTube, because it's harder to pull YouTube keywords than it is to pull Google. Right. So, so what I do is I just, um, I start with my base keyword, like YouTube ads or something like that. Um, and then I will go through, I'll pull all the auto suggest keywords, you know, using that suffix thing. Um, go through there and then I'll use the word frequency button, which will basically analyze all those results and tell you which of the keywords in addition to like, obviously YouTube ads is going to show up in every single one of them, but it'll tell you what the other, like all the long tail phrases, it'll tell you which ones are showing up the most. And I'll basically compile a list based on those because if they're showing up very frequently in your, um, your auto suggest keywords, you know they're being searched a lot. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. Cool. That's 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 a very good that's a very good tip. Um, what about as far as the offer? This is something that I often think that a lot of people struggle with about what the nature of direct response is in YouTube versus uh, some other platforms that you might advertise on, um, and what sort of buffer you feel like you need. So, you know, if you're running, for example, you, you're probably running or you have run ads for tube sift before that's software as a service. Right. Um, and then you've probably ran a billion other types of offers. Um, and, and some of them may be info products or whatever it is. Some of them might be sort of e-commerce. How do you feel, what do you feel about that avatar that's coming into that ad, what sort of mindset they're in when they click that ad, like what stage are they at in the buying process? Do you feel the need to send them somewhere to warm them up more? Or do you feel like you can, you've cracked a way to get direct response working a little bit better there? Um, so I like to do lead generation uh, with mine. So I'll send them to like an opt-in page most of the time, just because it tends to, that's just what I found works best for me. And then I can also email them. And I, f- I found a lot of the sale comes in the follow-up, honestly. Um, mm. and th- but that's just marketing in general. And so if I can capture that email list, it, it lets me do a couple things. Number one, it lets me uh, upload that email list later and I can remarket to them. Um, also, it allows me to build a follow-up. So and it, it depends on your price point as well. Like I'm selling a $1,000 product up front. Uh, which is via, I sold via webinar, right? And the ultimate goal of that is to put people into TubeSift, but it comes with a bunch of advanced training and they get bonus TubeSift, right? Uh, or a, like a, a year subscription or six months, mm-hmm. depending on which package they take. Um, and then from there, I have you know some some additional nurturing content that that will also put them into TubeSift even if they don't purchase. So it allows me to extend that that. I don't know if you want to call it a relationship or whatever, uh, extend that whole marketing process. Um, so that's been working extremely well. Uh, but I feel like the cool thing about YouTube ads is a lot of it is intent traffic. So when you were asking what point of the buying process are they in, like they're 
if you're doing a search on YouTube for how to set up YouTube ads, you intend to set up YouTube ads, right? Or like, how do I change the oil on my car or something like that? You're about to do that within like sometime soon, or, or mm. it, it at least needs to be done. Uh, so the cool thing about these types of ads is it's not like they're on Facebook scrolling through something and they're like, oh, neat. Um, you know, at, at that exact moment that you can put your ad in front of them, they are wanting to learn more about what you have to offer. So um, these types of ads work extremely well for pretty much selling anything um, from what I've seen. And have you seen the same sort of results there? Because I often, I know I see mixed results myself when you're using audiences versus when you're using something like placements, because placements is so relevant and keywords as well. I mean, it's literally, I often, when I'm talking to people about YouTube ads, especially with webinars, because I feel like webinars are just a killer for YouTube because people are already coming there to learn stuff. Um, You can, you know, someone will click a video like, hey, I want to learn how to do X. And you're like, hey, I'm an expert in X do you want to learn how to do X like for free? And they're like, well, yeah, that's like why I'm here. (laughs) And it's like perfect in that moment. I think for audiences, you're kind of catching people that are of that, that sort of have a behavior uh, profile in Google recently. So they might not have been searching for like how to change the oil in their car like today, but they might have (laughs) searched for it like a few days ago, or maybe they have something similar going on. Are you seeing any different behaviors with audiences? Yeah, definitely. So like, you know, kind of like I was talking about a little bit earlier, I always start with placements. Uh, Unless you have retargeting lists built up, then you should start with those because that's like the easiest thing to do ever. Um, But, you know, I I go from like, if you're starting cold, I always go placements and then I'll use the conversions to build that similar to audience. And at the same time, I'll be running keywords as well, Um, just because it's way easier to get those to convert. Audiences, like you had mentioned, are more of a broad kind of thing. Um, you know, maybe they visited a blog about running or something like that. So Google's like, oh yeah, they're interested <laughs> right. in running. Um, they do work, but as far as audience goes, you know, they have affinity audiences and um, intent audiences, or sorry, in-market audiences. Um, those in-market audiences, I feel work a little bit better than just the uh, affinity audiences because affinity is a little bit more broad. Um, but they, they are a great way to scale, but you do need to kind of dial your offer in first using, you know, the more targeted things like placements and keywords, uh, and just see what's going on there because you're going to get not all the time, but most of the time I do see a lower ROI with audiences. That being said, they are a little bit more scalable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely see different certainly different soft stats on those, uh, certain different CTR numbers and stuff like that. So sometimes it can be hard to interpret the data when the placement stuff is just killing and the keywords are just killing. It's very interesting to see. I almost wonder if it's almost worth at some point testing different creatives to those different type of audiences versus placements. I wonder if that would actually work. Something I haven't tested myself though. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I would assume, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly testing and shooting new ads just to see, you know, I mean, if I can lower my cost per lead by a dollar or so my ROI instantly goes up. So I'm always testing different landing pages and ads and things like that, um, based on audiences for sure. Uh, or, you know, what, what about the ad creative? Like, what do you see working in your ad creatives? Are there, is, is there any, like, what do you, do you have specific axioms where you're like, listen, every YouTube ad needs to have these things to be successful. Uh, so what I've been doing recently, um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, you want to catch, 
everybody's attention kind of thing in the first five seconds, which is true. Yeah. But, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people's ads just go in and doing something crazy or whatever. You're like, what's going on in this ad? You're like, I should watch more, but they're not attracting the right person. They're just kind of attracting everybody. Um, so what I've seen work really well is if you can figure out some kind of pattern interrupt or something that your target market is going to understand, right? And they're instantly going to be like, oh, I know what this is and go from there. Mm. Um, that's something that's been working extremely well. I've been leading. So, so I do run a lot of webinars, right? That's how I, that's like the entry point to my funnel is, or at least to my list is like me running traffic to a webinar page. Uh, I've been starting off with proof. You're like, hey, I want to show you how so-and-so was able to do this. And, you know, like I, I try my best to collect testimonials from the software, things like that. Um, and if you can lead with with some kind of proof or something along those lines, it's going to work extremely well um, because people are like, oh, wow, like that's, that's great. Uh, instead of talking about me and like, hey, check out how this person was able to do this with YouTube ads. And this person was able to do this. And today I'm holding a free web class explaining exactly you know where you're going to learn the exact system that they went through yeah that's great so you're like getting that credibility and authority right off the bat yeah and i found that that's been working extremely well it's been getting crazy click-through rates um just on my you know like i'm seeing click-through rates in like the three percent and stuff like that with those types of ads super high yeah yeah and you know as as a general rule of thumb i like to see at least one percent on my in-stream ads of a click-through rate, which it's, I don't know why they calculate the click-through rate like they do. They calculate it based off impressions. Um, right, right. And of course, a view, like if they skip the ad before 30 seconds, you're not paying for them, but they will factor into your CTR. Right, and so it's like whatever, but um, I, it's still just something I look at. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But I, I, I kind of wish they would do it off of views because it just makes a little bit more sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. Are, are, are there certain kinds of offers that you feel like don't work as well on YouTube? Uh, some things maybe in the B2B space or or whatnot. Are, are, are there certain types of audiences, offers, things like that, that may be good for Google and Facebook even, but for some reason on YouTube, it's very hard to find that audience? Um, I mean, or, or do you feel like you can kind of find everybody on YouTube if you're crafty? you can find pretty much anybody. I know like some people that I'm working with, they do some like they're some people I do some consulting with, they do some uh, pretty specific print on demand. um, And we've been seeing great results with what we're doing, but it's been difficult to scale. Mm. If that makes sense. Like with with some of the print on demand stuff, because it is such a smaller audience. So print on demand again. So what's that offer exactly? So that's like sort of B2B. Um, No, like, uh, you know, like, like, You've probably seen all these different campaigns on Facebook. They were really, really popular, but it's like just different shirts that um, people don't necessarily have inventory for. They just pre-sell them, and it's it's like drop shipping, kind of. Um, oh, okay. These like the uh-huh. Gear Bubble, Teespring, things like that, um, where where you can basically create a design, throw it up, and not have to carry the inventory. Like once you sell it, you can pretty much you know the company fulfills it for you. Mm. Um, yeah right it is dr- kind of like drop shipping mm. yeah yeah essentially uh so some of those like like clothing has been basically something that seems to i'm still working on figuring out how to sell that a little bit better like i said it's it's been it's been working like we're bringing in sales but once we go to scale it's just been it's been difficult to get it to scale for some reason 
Right, right, right. I mean, I, I think it comes back down to this is the, the the struggle I think a lot of us have in YouTube advertising is that people come to YouTube if they want to they want to learn something, they want to buy something. Um, they, they have that very specific intent in mind. And if you just you, you can get in front of the right people sometimes. But so I, I've often wondered myself in the B2B space, you know, if you're going after like a certain level of people in the B2B space, um, certainly you might be able to get in front of them. But finding them through placements might be extremely difficult, right? Because you, uh, you know, you're, you, you, you might get people that are not necessarily managing the people that do the things they're getting people that do the things, right? Like you're getting in front of a different sort of audience. Does that make sense to you? That's the kind of, that's the yeah. one sort of audience that I'm kind of trying to like crack myself right now. Yeah, man, I, I, I definitely have seen that in some of that space it, you know, it can be hard to target the decision maker specifically. Or, you know, things like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what are some mistakes that people make all the time? Because people often try to DIY YouTube ads and uh, it can be it can be really complicated. YouTube ads at times. I mean, you've got keywords, placements, um, you're often running CPV campaigns at the beginning. And so you literally Google will just spend your money like wherever you tell them to spend it, but they won't do machine learning for you at this right. stage. So you better be like on your game. So what are the mistakes that people are making? Um, so actually with the whole starting with CPV thing, they actually rolled out, I don't know if it's in everybody's account, but um, an option for maximize conversions and it will learn and you won't have to run those CPV campaigns starting off, which is pretty cool. Have you tested that and how's it yeah, going? Yeah. I've, I've been using them since last year. Um, and I, I think they're... And, and they work well? Yeah, yeah. At least to get started. Um, I prefer CPA campaigns recently uh, just because it will... You know, I'm like, hey, I want to pay $10 a registration or whatever it may be. Um, and usually it gets it a lot cheaper than I want, which I'm like, that's cool. Uh, and it continues to learn, which I like. Um, but those maximized conversions have been great. But I guess the, the number one problem that I that I see is people don't set up conversion tracking. Uh, oh, interesting. Uh, and I, I see that all the time. People will you know ask me questions in my groups or whatever. They're like, "Well, what's happening here?" Things like that. I'm like, "Well, did you you know did you? It looks like you're getting clicks. You're sending a lot of clicks. What's happening?" They're like, well, "I don't know." Okay. So uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I see that. Uh, and then a lot of times people will. Uh, something that I see is people that are advertising on Facebook already. They're like, okay, this is the ad I'm using over there. And they'll try and take a Facebook video ad and put it on YouTube. And they just don't. And when you're running YouTube ads, you really need to think how somebody uses that platform. And it's not like they do Facebook, right? Um, so you want to make your ad seem like it fits on YouTube. And a lot of people don't do that. Right, right, right. What do you think are the are the are the big things? I mean, you were you were saying that you start um you've been starting with the social proof first, which is awesome because you're you know you're you're kind of seeding the offer right there. It's kind of like this guy made like $120,000 doing this. I'm going to show you how to make $120,000 doing this. But what else is there? Especially do you have any specific tactics to get people out before 30 seconds to make sure that you don't pay for their impression? Um, you mean get people to skip if they're not interested or? Yeah, right. So you don't just get people that are just sort of, you know, messing around, like they're not actually interested and they might just view it because you may make an extremely interesting. I mean, this is one of the, sometimes I'll have people come to me and they'll be like, 
do you think this ad would work on YouTube? And literally, we don't even know what the product is until like a minute in. Yeah. Like it's like a, it's total storytelling, right? Right. And that that's not a terrible thing, but it, like when you're paying after 30 seconds, it's not a good thing. So, so yeah, basically, you know, if you're telling a story, so, so something that I've found worked extremely well is just within the first 10 seconds, I've already dropped a call to action. Because mm, um, like ultimately, cool. I'm trying to get them off of YouTube uh, and, and to my page, wherever I want to take them. And so the sooner I can drop that, you know, if somebody's interested in learning how to run ads on YouTube, they're interested. And my targeting should do a decent enough job to put my ad in front of them especially if you're using placements. I mean, it's like, it's a no brainer. Um, you know, if you're targeting any type of placement for a specific niche, just start off by saying something like, Oh, you know, whatever, washing your dog's ears can be a pain in the ass, but we have this awesome kit that fixes that or something like that. Um, you know, showing the product in action, if you can, um, things like that. Uh, cause then if somebody sees it and they're like, eh, not for me, they'll skip it. Hopefully. And if they don't, whatever. But but ideally, we want the people clicking through. Uh, and the quicker you can get that call to action in there, the better. And then you can explain a little bit more, go into the story, right? Right, yeah. I think that what I always say about YouTube and the big benefit of it is you kind of get the intent of Google, but you get the opportunity to sell them that you get on Facebook. So you kind of have to leverage both of those things. Would you say that's sort of accurate? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because on Facebook, it's almost, I often say it's kind of like you're driving a bus past your ideal avatar with a billboard on it. You're kind of like, does this interest you enough to learn more? <laughs> um, which you kind of get that on YouTube, but they're already like, they want to get on the bus already on YouTube. So you just get a chance to sort of push them a little bit over the edge. That's interesting. Anything else that you're seeing in accounts or, or, or mistakes that people are making or data that they're not leveraging in particular, maybe people that have TubeSift and they're not actually using all of TubeSift capabilities. Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of people that go with the, like their companion banners, right? They're not setting those up correctly. Uh, if you're running those in-stream ads, the companion banner is that thing up in the top right-hand corner. Uh, it's just like an extra call to action. Uh, I see a lot of people just put their lo- – even big brands are doing this. They're just putting a logo up there or like an image, and it doesn't mm. – I like to use big, bold text in there. And um, when, you're pre- when you're setting up your ad, you can preview it on YouTube. Uh, and I even made this mistake uh, one time or a few times. I was running a companion banner that really blended in. It was hard to see, right? And somebody had sent me a screenshot. They're like, hey, you know, you can't really see this, right? I I just used the wrong colors and things like that. I was like, oh, huh. So I ended up switching that out to something that really popped a little bit more. Um, But I like to throw a lot of text in there and just reiterate what the main offer is as well um, on those companion banners. And I see a lot of people just letting YouTube generate theirs for them uh, and things like that. It just doesn't quite line up, you know? That's a great tip. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I often do this myself. And so it's a very good reminder (laughs) because when you're, when you're setting it up, I think that it defaults to let YouTube auto select your companion banner based on your channel's cover art or something like that. Yeah. Um, But I think videos and things like that in there. Right, right, right. So uh, taking the time to create that banner, I guess, is important. Um, and it's built into TubeSift, right? Yeah, yeah. We have a banner studio in there. Uh, once they started basically letting us use companion banners and things like that, 
I was like, whoa. Uh, and I was, I was like having a designer make them. I was like, I feel like this is something that's, that could be simplified. Um, and so I went ahead and just, yeah, did that. I was like, okay, cool. That actually leads me into, uh, I guess we can, we can sort of finish with this because I think that a lot of people will love this, um, is that I'm, I'm, I'm on your email list, great email list. And you've been talking a lot about leveraging these banner ads in specific ways um, through YouTube ads where you're not having to make a video, right? Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Oh, yeah, like responsive display ads. That's mm-hmm. something I've been uh, running. I was actually on a call with um, my Google rep a while back, and they were like, oh, you should be trying these responsive display ads. It's like, what are those? Because I, I just... Yeah, I what, so, so explain what that is. Yeah, so essentially, you can set up a display ad. And, and so... They, they were kind of telling me about these. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do those one of these days. Sure, I'll get around to it. And then the TubeSift user picked <laughs> me up and was like, oh, man, we're loving TubeSift. We're using it to find placements for our responsive display ads. I was like, hold up. Wait, what? I was like, we need to jump on a call. So we did. And he explained a little bit about what he was doing. And essentially, you can target these display ads um, or even just video overlay ads. You can target specific video placements that are monetized and put just banners over them. Or you can um, you know, set up these responsive display ads where you upload you know, three to five images. And what will happen is depending on where the ad is eligible to be, sh- eligible to be shown, sorry, um, Google will create a specific ad based on a number of headlines, descriptions, and images that you have uploaded. And you can place those on YouTube videos, under YouTube videos, things like that. Uh, and those have been working extremely well. One thing I have noticed, they get very cheap clicks, but they don't convert, at least for my webinars, right? Uh, and I've noticed this, like you get a ton of clicks, but a lot of times they're not registering. So the, the actual ratio, like the, the conversion rate of my opt-in page, it tanked that. However, my conversions are still where they need to be dollar-wise. They just send, like I'm getting like three cent clicks off of YouTube with these things. Wow. They just tend to not it's, convert as uh, as well, but they're great for like retargeting and, and things like that. So so it's actually dynamic. So Google will actually, they, they've, they've got all of the data on the video, on the specific placement that it's going in front of, and they'll select from all the dynamic creatives that you put in there to find the most relevant placement. You just uh, need to put that stuff in. Yeah, they'll, they'll pretty much create an ad for you depending on where it's going to show up, right? So it could be a banner. It could be like an overlay out on video. It could be, and you may have seen these on like mobile devices where you're watching a video and it's like, oh, you know, there's a cool little ad underneath. It looks like a card or something under a video. Um, that basically, they'll choose the image that fits and they'll like resize it. They'll shove your headline in there, rotate your headlines out for you and figure out which one converts the best. That's interesting. That's interesting. So you're saying it doesn't do as well to a cold audience, but you do get cheaper clicks. So theoretically, you could be, uh, it balances as out. you were saying, you're sort of, it balances out. So you're still doing well to a cold audience. You're just getting cheap clicks. Right. And you don't have to have a video, uh, anything like, like, for instance, one of mine I'm looking at right now, I got like 7,000 clicks and like 30 mm. opt-ins, which. Wow. That's interesting. Is like a horrid ratio. That's awful. But my cost yeah. for opt-in was right where I needed it to be. Whereas like one of my other 
campaigns, I'm, I sent like a thousand clicks and I got like 400 opt-ins. So it's closer to like 40% opt-in rate, but I'm also paying, you know, two bucks a click there where mm. on my, um, responsive display ads, I got like 7,000 clicks and I'm only paying, you know, three to five cents a click. Hmm. What's the, so what's, I know that TubeSift has this built in. What's the sort of size that people create to make those? What's so the, do you remember, do you know the pixel ads, ratio? It makes them for you. So you can run, so there, there's video overlay ads and video overlay ads are um, 300 by, sorry, 468 by 60 is what the uh, 468 pixels by 60 pixels tall is what the banner ad, or the the in video or video overlay ads are, but those are a little bit different than the responsive display ads, responsive display ads. You don't even make an ad. You just upload some images and a couple of headline variations and Google creates the ad for you based on where it can fit. Wow. Yeah. You're running placement campaigns for those. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you have any type of retargeting, things like that, those work extremely well also. Yeah, that's that's really really interesting. Um, if you're listening to this, it should. It, I mean, I know that I'm going to start testing this for sure because uh, nothing wrong with a cheap click. And at the end of the day, a conversion rate's just a number. I mean, if those if, if if you're getting people in, you know, I mean, if they're getting in at the conversion, at the end of the day, people get really obsessed with soft stats. But you know, what's your cost per conversion, right? I mean, if that's working out, then you're finding those people because that's ultimately what's going to you know make your ROI. Right. I mean, that's that, great. What I pay attention to is money in versus money out. Like I'm looking at one of my campaigns, I'm paying almost $5 a click on what, which is I, I, like, if somebody was like, Oh, it's five bucks a click. I'd be like, Whoa, that's outrageous. Um, mm-hmm. However, like my cost per conversion is perfect. Like it, it's right where I want it to be. So I don't really care what I'm paying per click um, because and that, that all comes down to, you know, your tracking that you have set up, all that. Um, you know, I, I've had things where I'm paying a lot per webinar opt-in, but, you know, like I'm paying twice what I wanted to pay. But those people tend to convert and actually purchase down the funnel, which gives me a higher ROI. Because like a webinar opt-in doesn't mean anything for me. A sale does. Right. Right. Great stuff, man. Absolutely awesome stuff. Uh, where can we find out more about uh, you and TubeSift? Yeah, for sure. I know, um, you know, we'll get you set up with a link or whatever. Um, but but yeah, basically like TubeSift.com. We'll hook you up with a, uh, a slightly discounted price for everybody listening um, that you won't be able to get on the main page. So, um, you know, whatever you want to make that link, we'll drop it. That's great. We'll just we'll just put that in the show notes for yeah. sure, and then everybody can get a little bit of a discount on it. That would be awesome. Yeah, it'll it'll knock a little off the uh, the price for all your people. So great. Yeah, and I, I I do have to say that I have I have tested a number of of these, and uh, honest to God, uh, TubeSift's the only one that we paid for in the end after testing all of them. <laughs> Very big fan of the software, and we use it um, literally every single day for sometimes hours a day in my agency to run these campaigns. So uh, awesome, awesome tool. Yeah, um, and, uh, so I actually just added two new training videos into the video ads training section of TubeSift, uh, one for in-video overlay ad setup and one for responsive display ads. So if you if you are curious on exactly how I'm using those, I show you how to do that inside the software as well. 
Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's another big benefit of TubeSift. And, and I've used this with my team too. Oh, you want to learn how to use TubeSift? There's actually a little tab. You can just learn how to just teach yourself how to use it. I'm not going to teach you how to use it. Just right. go ahead. They He'll teach you how to do it. He created the thing. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, man. Uh, it, was, it was great to hear your perspectives on everything. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for having me. You got it. You got it. And thanks, everybody, for joining us here. Hope you got some value. I'm sure you did. A lot of knowledge bombs dropped today on YouTube ads. Please make sure to subscribe and leave a review if you like what you're hearing. And have an amazing day.